Hello, I'm Andrew Parry from the CFA UK Inclusion and Diversity Network. Welcome to the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals all about issues, interests and insights in today's profession. In this episode, I'll be talking to Dawid Konate Ahulu, co-founder of 10,000 Black Interns. Dawid started his career off as a barrister of Lincoln's Inn and subsequently spent 16 years as an investment banker. He co-founded the investment consultancy Reddington in 2006 and the online community Mallow Street for the pensions industry. In 2018, he was named Black British Entrepreneur of the Year. Welcome, Dawid, and I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Uh, it's great to be here. Many thanks for having me on here, Andrew. It's a real pleasure. Let's start off with my first question is, tell us about 10,000 Black interns is. I actually believe it started off as 100 Black interns, which is a good, a good sign that it must be a successful program. Yes. So, look, I mean, let me just start with a, with a statistic, which is that We've always known in the city this rather shocking statistic that there are only, I think, 14 black portfolio managers out of a number that we calculate is around 3,000. And there's been plenty of platitudinal hand-wringing by the industry over the years, and it sort of comes up in conversation every now and again, but nothing ever really seemed to change. And so since October 2016, really, I suppose, it's been, a, it's been something that a few of us have thought about and, and wondered whether we could address. But it's, you know, it's one of those wicked problems, if you like, a bit like climate. It's, it's kind of easy to state the problem, but how do, you, how do you fix it? What do you do? And then in June last year, when the whole world was still in shock over the murder of George Floyd, and really this all, this all kind of bubbled up and, and came to a head as everyone said, well, look, we've really got to do something uh, about this. A few of us got together. So there was Jonathan Sorrell, Walkerladi, Michael Barrington Hibbert, and myself. We were just kicking around ideas. And I think it was John Sorrell who sent a, a WhatsApp and said, look, what, what about asking 100 asset managers whether they would be prepared to offer 100 Black candidates an internship in summer 2021? And assuming that some reasonable percentage said yes, you know, we might be able to shift that number and maybe 14 black PMs turns into 30 or something like that. So we had no idea what, what the industry would say. And between us, we picked up the phone and asked basically the people who ran the industry whether they'd be interested in, in, in offering these internships. And to our amazement, not just 100, but 200, in fact, more than 200 firms said, yes, we'd love to do that. And so suddenly, you know, we were off to the races and, and we ended up, in fact, with a much higher number even than that. And so at the moment, we, for 100 black interns, which was the original program, we had over 2000 applications. We ended up with 391 internship offers, which of course way higher than the 100 that we were, we were anticipating. And that's all set to go in, in this, this summer, in just a few months time, that's all kicking off. So there are almost 400 you know, black candidates who are going to be in their internships starting in, starting in uh, in June and July. But what was really powerful was that other sectors then started looking over the garden fence, as it were, and said, look, if you think it's bad in asset management, you want to see what it's like in law, or you want to see what it's like in accounting. And so they said, you know, can we, can we, can we nick your playbook? And we said, well, 
Yes, but there were so many sectors and it was quite complicated in a way. There was a lot of logistics getting off the ground. We just had a chat between ourselves and said, look, why don't we just do it ourselves across all these different sectors? So we did. And the aim was simply to go to 20 sectors and to try to get 100 internships in each sector. So 20 times 100 is 2,000. And we said, if we run it for five years, that's 2,000 a year for five years is 10,000. Uh, internships and so we, we morphed from 100 black interns to 10,000 black interns and we're there I have to say in just a few months we've we've now got 2,072 internships offered across 24 sectors and we're going to roll that for five years run that for five years and there's your there's your 10,000 I actually think we're going to we'll blow through 10,000 and so that so that's that in summary is how it all started but it was really to address this problem this, this kind of almost wicked problem, as I like to describe it, that the, the system has these kinks in it that just mean that unless you take action like this, nothing, you know, nothing changes. It doesn't surprise me that the, the movement's grown so significantly, having been on one of the initial calls. And it does show the power of when you capture the imagination of people, how powerful social initiatives really can be. Uh, but turning to the specifics, you know, what do the individuals you know, gain from the internship and you know, what, what's the sense of learning do you think come from this? I think a lot of the, 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 the issues, if you break down the, 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 the central issue that a lot of people have, and it's not just about race, it's about almost any minority, but we're talking about race specifically, it's that there is this disconnect between the individuals and, and the industry. And there's this sort of sense when you talk to young black guys and girls that this industry isn't for them in the case of asset management, but it could be law and it could be advertising. It could be any, any, any industry. They just somehow, you know, this just isn't an industry for us. It's not something that we've ever thought about. No one's ever come to talk to us about it. It's not on our radar. And so when you ask us what we want to do in later life, we would never say, well, we'd like to be uh, be an asset manager um, or I'd like to be a barrister because somehow it's just not on my radar. It's not something that I ever think about. And so what we're trying to change is, is that. I mean, the way I describe it, I talk about the idea of water flowing through a hose pipe. And I say, imagine it's a summer, hot summer afternoon. There you are watering the, the lawn and suddenly the water stops flowing. And you think uh, that someone's turned the tap off. So you go and have a look, but the tap's actually on. Then you think that's a bit odd. And you realize that there's a kink in the hose pipe. And so you go and you find the kink and you unkink it and there's still no water. And then you realize that there are multiple kinks. And until you've unkinked all the kinks, water doesn't flow. But of course, eventually it does. And so this is one of the kinks in the hose pipe, the getting into the industry. If you talk to young black graduates or undergraduates, they'll all tell you a story about how they sent off 150, 200, 1,000 CVs and not only had no had no responses but even where they have had a response you know it's all ended in it's all ended in 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 rejection of one sort or another and they just can't get into the into the industry and so this is trying to get students just to get into the industry as, at a sense if you like that this is a mountain i can climb that there's a place for me on the team and and i think if we can do that and we can do it at scale which is what's happening then we ought to see at least this kink in the hose pipe being unkinked and certainly when I interviewed uh, people on uh, the programme that we're taking, I was just amazed at the sort of 
the insights that they, they were providing a completely different perspective. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to having people join our team from the program this summer. Mm, thank but, you. Thank you for, yeah, thanks for participating. It means a lot. Thank you. No, it was, uh, no, it meant a lot to, to us to actually, to meet the people and some really absolutely fan, fantastic candidates. Uh, but you know, from the firm perspective, what sort of uh, feedback do you get from the firms who are involved in this initiative? How are they framing it from their own perspective? I think the entire industry has come together and it's what I, I sometimes will call a, a here comes everybody moment. That phrase comes from, it's the title of a book written by Clay Shirky probably 10 or 12 years ago. But in it, he talks about what happens when an entire organizations or groups of people come together to get a thing done. And I, I always enjoyed reading the book. And But for me, this, it describes this situation perfectly. It's a here comes everybody moment in which the entire asset management industry and indeed as you go further afield of 20 other sectors they're all coming together and saying look we've looked in the mirror and we don't like what we what we see there's not enough diversity uh, we just you know we have we've we've dropped the ball on this one we've spent years looking at diversity really through a very narrow window or lens i think for many organizations diversity has really meant balancing the gender inequality um, that has persisted for decades and rightly rightly so but you'll still talk to many many organizations who will talk proudly about their diversity and what they really mean is that, is that they've got more women on their boards or more women in various senior positions and it, it they're oblivious to the fact that there's no ethnic diversity anywhere in in, in sight and so I think the industry is looking in that mirror and is really determined to do something about it. I think everyone's saying, well, what can we do? Everyone gets it and says, well, I say everyone gets it. Most people get it. But I think there's this big question, which is, so what can we do? And in that context, I think there is real desire. I've never seen anything like it. We've Firm after firm after firm is saying we want to participate in this and we want to make a difference. And I think they're very serious about it and they're very excited about it and they want to participate and they look forward to the day when, you know, diversity is, is, is actually a thing. Thank you. The you know, government and industry groups have been raising these concerns for a long time. And, and I think you, you know, that groundswell that you've seen in reaction to the 100 Black Interns programme is a reflection of the need of the industry to be to guided in how to do this. I'm thinking later on in the development of people's careers, how do we sort of build on this to bring more black executives into financial services and the other industries uh, out there? You know, there's specific barriers that aspiring black exec executives face that, that we need to, to sweep away and, and learn how to deal with? I think there are barriers that we need to deal with and they're very often hidden or they're subtle, they're nuanced. And they need to be they need to be spotlighted and addressed. And I think for me, it comes down to this interesting idea of of belonging. And I'll tell you what I mean. So if you think about the Meghan and Harry interview, this kind of doesn't you, know, you you get this point without really having to take sides and be on one side or or the other. If you think about what what happened, there was diversity at play because Megan is an outsider, she's American, she's a divorcee, she's mixed race. I mean, she's got a lot of elements that put her outside the usual suspect uh, 
category, if you like. So there's certainly diversity um, when she when she married Prince Harry. There was inclusion because she was marrying into the family. And even if you look at the wedding, I mean, there was a black choir, there was a black cellist, there was a black pastor. I mean, the House of Windsor made a, they made an effort. You couldn't you couldn't deny that. So she was certainly included on the team. But here's the interesting thing, and it's obvious to anyone watching, whichever side you're on, she, for whatever reason, never felt like she belonged. Like this was not her tribe. These were not her people. And of course, when we saw the interview, it played out on a global stage. But the same thing happens in our companies and in our corporations and in our industries up and down the land. It's really hard to get in, which is what we're trying to address with 10,000 Black interns. But once in, people just don't feel like they belong. And if you talk to if you talk to black executives, they'll often, often tell you, in fact, almost always they will say that they don't feel like, like this is their, like this is their place. And I think that's the thing we've got to sweep aside. We've got to find a way where people feel like this is my place. Like I really belong here. The fact that I haven't necessarily been to the same academic institutions or I don't speak the same way or I don't have the same pastimes and hobbies shouldn't be a reason that I, that I don't make my way through the organization. I really should feel like I belong. Uh, and and I think this is a, this is a critical area that I, it's it's subtle and it it only really gets addressed if the chief executive and everyone in HR and everyone in you know in middle management gets it and is determined to do something something about it. In that situation, I think we can bring about change. I mean, maybe I just give you this quick this quick example. I was talking to someone recently, and she's black, and she was saying that she'd been courted pretty heavily by a by a law firm. And then she'd got, she, she got into the firm and she was listening to a conversation um, at, at a dinner with one of the senior partners who was talking about the relationship he had with a young guy who he'd brought into the firm. And he, he, she said, listening to him, it was almost paternal. He was talking about putting his arm around the guy and just helping him navigate his way. She said it was like listening to a father talk about his son. And she suddenly realized that she'd never had that patronage you know, they got her into the firm, but then somehow she she lost her way. And there was no, you know, the, the, the elders of the firm, if you like, had never really come to her and said, let me show you how it all works um, in a way that they did with, with other people who were, if you like, the more usual reference models. And I think it's about describing that and explaining that. And then I think senior management says, oh, we just had never, we'd never thought about it. It's not, you know, you wouldn't call it racism. It's certainly not that, but it is just almost a sort of a patronage that is shown towards people who, who look like senior management um, and less so to those who don't. I think it's a very good point about the role of mentoring and, and the role of diversity in mentoring, certainly something that we need to work on as an industry. Yeah, we do dwell sometimes in an echo chamber and, you know, this program is an excellent way of, you know, creating a, a broader cognitive diversity of conversation that we need to have in the investment industry. You've described what has been a fantastic achievement with the program. You know, how are you going to measure success? And, you know, what's the, what's the vision beyond the net, you know, five years? If you've set out a great five-year route map, what, how are you going to take this even further? I mean, I think, as is obvious in a way, you, you know, you start think something running and it just, you know, it all started with a WhatsApp back on June the 14th last year, where we said, what if, 
And, you know, the idea was just to ask a few asset managers whether they would get involved. And now here we are across 23 sectors, 24 sectors with over 2000 internships. These things tend to snowball and it's very hard to work out where this thing's going to go. There are a lot of inquiries coming in from the US, from Brazil, South Africa. I mean, this is, you know, we're being inundated with requests from other jurisdictions saying, you know, can we have the playbook? We'd love to do this where where we are. So who knows where it goes ultimately? I think for us, I don't know whether you know, you've read Good to Great by Jim Collins, but in it, he talks about the idea of firing bullets before you fire cannonballs. And he talks about back in the 18th century, you're out there bobbing on the sea when the pirate ship bears down on you and you see the skull and crossbones and you can fire cannonballs. But if you miss, you've only got so many cannonballs and then you're dead. Whereas if you fire bullets, you can get the trajectory right and you can get the angle of you know, uh, uh, your aim right. And then you fire the cannonball. And he says, that's what businesses should do. Don't fire cannonballs, fire bullets first. And that's what 100 black interns was. I think we were firing bullets. 10,000 is firing the cannonball. And I think there are even bigger cannonballs to be fired. And I think this thing can really scale. To be clear, the reason it's been successful is because it's, it's beautifully simple. It's a really easy ask. It's hard to say no. We're simply saying, will you take a black undergraduate or recently graduated uh, individual give them six weeks internship you don't have to offer them a job at the end of it be great if you did but you don't have to pay them the minimum um or the living wage so you know you, we're actually finding that everyone's paying more than that but the ask is simply that you pay the london living wage and we're just finding that everyone's just saying yes it's really easy to say yes to why wouldn't you do this you know it's kind of hard almost to find a reason to say no and so the simplicity of it is crucial I think it is, it's definitely going to get much bigger. How do we measure success? Well, we're going to survey every single student candidate. We're going to survey every employer. And we've said to the employers, by the way, if this is just a box ticking exercise, then really you shouldn't bother doing it. It's just not the point. You know, if you're just going to have people come in and just make coffee and do the photocopying, just this isn't, this isn't the program for you. This is about changing the world. This is a big, this is one of the what ifs. This is a massive transformative purpose. You know, Silicon Valley talks about an MTP. And that's what this is. It's massive. It is transformative and it's brimming with purpose. And if you want to be part of that, then we'd love to have you on board and, you know, by all means get involved in the program. We hear a lot about purpose and I think sometimes it can be an overused word. But in this case, I think you've given a, an excellent demonstration how we can actually put purpose in, into action, you know, particularly in investment, which I always say is a journey into the future. And hopefully this is, you know, setting a great pathway for a, a, a you know, for a better future for, for all those involved in the program it certainly inspired us in the US to adopt many of these uh, characteristics in some of our intern programs there how can the uh, CFA UK members and others in the financial service industry find out more about 10,000 black interns program well as luck would have it we have a website which is very straightforward and tries to answer all the questions that one might have and the website address is 10,000blackinterns.com and it's all on there so you can see who's participating what the confirmed sectors are you can you can read all about it there's a bunch of FAQs that uh, hopefully answer all the all the questions it's entirely voluntary by the way in terms of uh, from a funding perspective we're set up as a charitable foundation we are asking for voluntary contributions and if you say, what does that look like? Well, Capstone Investment Advisors, who were right there at the very start, very kindly underwrote 
the the launch for the first year uh, at a quarter of a million pounds we think it's going to cost two and a half million pounds to run the entire thing we've got staff and we you know we need to get all the admin and the infrastructure and the architecture in place we think it's going to cost two and a half million for five years so in total over five years and so capstone wrote a check for a quarter of a million pounds they underwrote that and then we've had just contributions really anything from ten thousand pounds up to seventy thousand pounds someone wrote a check recently for and so anything in between but it's voluntary so you know it really literally from nothing all the way up to whatever number you can think of all contributions gratefully received thank you david for your time and more importantly your inspiration and that brings us to an end of today's podcast look out for our next podcast in the regular cfa uk's newsletter or subscribe to the cfa uk's soundcloud channel uh, you can also find out more at cfauk.org slash podcast thank you again david for it's been a pleasure thank you very much for thanks for having me on here